For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. As many as 2,000 common carp were found dead earlier this month in a southern Minnesota lake. The culprit? Herpes. Koi herpes virus, or KHV, is a type of herpes that infects carp species. But Minnesota anglers don't have to stop kissing their catches, or pretend they didn't, or don't, or would never ever. KHV hasn't been shown to infect humans or other types of fish. Minnesota DNR biologists say the outbreak was likely caused by someone who released a pet goldfish or koi into the lake or a connecting waterway. Koi and common carp can both get infected with KHV, and goldfish can be asymptomatic carriers. Signs of KHV include white or gray lesions on the gills, hemorrhage on the skin, and sunken eyes. Because I know you're wondering, the Minnesota DNR does not mention anything about red bumps or itchy blisters on those big beautiful carp lips. The virus was first confirmed in Minnesota in 2009 in a backyard koi pond. Since then, there have been outbreaks killing thousands of fish in Lake Ellison, Albert Lee Lake, and other southern Minnesota lakes. That's right, one less thing that makes us humans special. We can't even keep herpes to ourselves. No word yet on whether Minnesota DNR plans to require carp to wear masks, get vaccinated, or take ninth grade sex ed. This week, we've got wildlife crime, the fishing desk, and wildfire. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week... And as I mentioned, I made a trip down to Little Rock, Arkansas for the Steel Timber Sports National Championships. If you're unfamiliar, and no surprise if you aren't, this sport literally grew out of skill competitions held in logging camps. Way back in the days when the bulk of the work was done without the aid of machinery, 
just axe and saw. A couple of things really impressed me. First, and this is not meant to be any sort of slight, these athletes are incredibly dedicated to a sport that isn't all that well known or watched or publicized. But despite the low audience numbers, these athletes are, well, athletes and dedicated. You know, of course, the stuff that we think of is like standard athletic dedication, staying in shape. But then you throw in the fact that each one of these people needs a pile of wood to cut in order to practice the individual disciplines, and you get into some different realms of commitment. Like, you know, if you're a runner, you might have a box of tennis shoes show up at the house. Well, if you're into logging sports, you might get a logging truck that shows up to the house with a load of 18-inch diameter logs just to train for one season. There's lots of intensity, drive, focus out of these folks, but also a lot of teamwork leading up to the individual events. Yeah, these people are competing against each other, but I heard from more than one athlete that they help each other out because they want their competition to be at their best when they beat them, which I really appreciated. Great way of thinking, really great crew, would love to catch another event soon. There's all sorts of logging competitions that go around at uh, state fairs and stuff like that. Starting tomorrow, the Lumberjack World Championships are actually going on. Uh, That'd be July 28th, so this podcast isn't going to do you any good. But you can always go to the Steel Timber Sports social media pages and see some of this stuff highlighted. It's also out there on the YouTube. Super cool, really fun in person. Check them out if they're anywhere near you. Next up. Some hot off-the-presses legislative news. The North American Grasslands Conservation Act was just introduced today. You've heard me talk about this one a bunch, but now it's real. Introduced this morning by Senator Ron Wyden and co-sponsors Senators Michelle F. Bennett and Amy Klobuchar. If passed, the Grasslands Act will provide funding and education for tribes, private landowners, and states to keep grasslands working while being preserved. A big part of this bill is based around the fact that grasslands with their incredibly deep root systems are very effective carbon sinks. While the tops of native prairie grasses can be grazed and burned, the root systems that store carbon remain. Those same deep roots help break up the prairie soils and create a much more drought-tolerant landscape. On the hunting side of things, tall grass not only makes fat cattle, It makes for big antelope, elk, mule deer, whitetails, prairie chickens, sage grouse, songbirds, pollinators, and the list goes on and on from there. Total grassland birds have declined by more than 40% since 1966. The lesser prairie chicken, which is a game bird that we hunters are supposed to give a hoot about, and that hoot is a, you know, grouse reference, is heading for extinction due primarily to habitat loss. And it's happening on our watch. I'm excited about the introduction of this bill. I am calling my representatives and asking them to co-sponsor this one. More incentive for keeping the family farm or ranch intact. More tools in the toolbox for habitat. Go to actforgrasslands.org for more information. Once you get it, please contact your representative and ask them to co-sponsor the North American Grasslands Conservation Act. Moving on to the Crime Desk. A poacher in Ohio was sentenced this month to 10 years in prison after he shot and seriously wounded an Ohio Department of Natural Resources officer investigating a deer poaching complaint. 45-year-old Brian Lemming pled guilty in August to a federal weapons charge. 
he was already serving time for felonious assault, evidence tampering, and misdemeanor hunting charges. Prosecutors said in court documents that Lemming fired a shot intended to flush a buck out of a wooded area, but the bullet struck and wounded Ohio Department of Natural Resources Officer Kevin Bear, spelled B-E-H-R. Believe it or not, the story gets worse from there. When Lemming realized he'd struck the officer, he refused to render aid and fled the scene. Later, he denied pulling the trigger. Bear spent 80 days in the hospital, 30 of which were in the intensive care unit. Lemming did not have a valid hunting license, was trespassing on the property, wasn't allowed to own a firearm due to a previous domestic violence charge, and did not have a bear tag. Again, the officer's name is Bear. Anyway, there can be a big difference between a poacher and a hunter, something I always try to keep in mind when I run into a conservation officer. These folks never know who they're walking up to or what situation they're stepping into. It's not just fishing and hunting licenses they deal with. A Montana man has lost his hunting privileges for 16 years and been forced to pay fines exceeding $6,000 for poaching mule deer and leaving the carcasses to rot. 19-year-old Braden Reed pled guilty in Yellowstone County to a raft of charges, or maybe I should say an ocean liner of charges. These included four counts of unlawful possession of deer, two counts of wasting game, and three counts of hunting during a closed season. Prosecutors say that on October 2nd, Reed shot two mule deer at night using a spotlight and moved the carcasses to a BLM recreation area. He cut off the horns and removed the back straps, then, after he'd trashed the campsite, left the rest of the animal to rot. He did the same thing to a third deer he shot on private property, and game wardens later found a fourth deer they believe Reed killed. In case you're wondering, and I know you are, Reed did not have a hunting license and he shot the deer well before mule deer season had begun. Moving up to beautiful British Columbia, officers with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which if you've ever listened to Coulter Wall, that song where he wakes up in a snowbank next to a car marked RCM and P, that's what he's talking about, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Anyway, the RCM and P arrested several people after finding a month-old fawn in the backseat of their car. The young mule deer buck was severely dehydrated, but conservation officers believe he will be just fine. I know you'll be surprised to hear this too, but the Mounties found drugs in the car, along with the fawn. Kind of the Canadian version of a cocaine hippo, the mule deer buck. Sticking with international wildlife crime, the ringleader of a Welsh salmon and trout poaching operation was recently fined about $75,000 for illegally harvesting nearly 1,000 sea trout and over 300 salmon. Emlyn Rees operated the poaching ring for seven years between 2013 and 2020. Wildlife officials say his actions resulted in the loss of an estimated 686,000 salmon eggs and more than 2 million sea trout eggs. Law enforcement knew about the extent of his crimes because he kept a detailed record of every fish caught, including its weight. They described his crimes as staggering and said they represent, quote, a significant and unsustainable loss of breeding potential. Rees avoided jail time despite being convicted of illegal fishing three times in his past and only had to pay a nominal $1 fine. He'll have to repay his total remainder of $74,999 when he comes into money or assets in the future. But given this guy's history, I'd say that's going to be a real uh, slow day of fishing. But considering they popped this guy in part due to his note-taking skills, 
Maybe they could get him on board as a fishery technician. Jumping over to Oregon, game wardens with the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife charged a couple named Chris and Stephanie Lardy with shooting into a fleeing elk herd last year. They fired 30 to 40 shots from their vehicle and killed five elk illegally, including two calves. They left all five animals to rot. They were convicted in order to pay a $2,500 fine and had their hunting licenses suspended for three years. Chris Lardy will also spend six days in jail and was forced to write an apology letter and publish it in the local newspaper. I haven't seen that letter myself, but if anyone has a copy, I'd love to read it. Last one for you. In Kansas, nine people have been charged with wildlife-related violations after a three-year investigation by the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. The individuals are being charged with 140 separate violations in connection with poaching 25 deer, one antelope, and eight turkeys, among other animals. Many of the animals were shot with rifles during archery season, according to a local media report. Of the 13 bucks scored, Game Warden said the average antler size was 173 inches. The worst violator, a man named Tayton Weeder, was hit with 58 charges, 22 of which he pled guilty to. He was ordered to pay $45,000 in fines and won't be allowed to hunt for 10 years. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. 
The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving on to the cat desk. Two listeners wrote in recently to tell me about cities in Canada and Australia that are taking real steps to reduce the impact of free-roaming cats, which are bad, if you haven't been listening. Thanks to Chris Eiliff and Mike Albright for reaching out. Bass Coast Shire, which is a real place but sounds like a cross between Lord of the Rings and a Florida tourist attraction, is actually a government area in Victoria, Australia. Anyway, Bass Coast Shire has announced a 24-7 ban on outdoor cats. Starting next July, anyone caught allowing their cat to roam outside will be fined $180. The town council justified the move by pointing out that cats are a menace to the local wildlife, including to penguins. An ecologist also told local media that cats who are allowed to wander unconstrained 24 hours a day kill an average of 115 native animals every year in Australia. That wasn't enough to satisfy the Bass Coast Shire cat ladies. Over 10,000 people left comments on the local media story's Facebook post. One said this policy proves that Australia is the, quote, most insane country in the world. Another said the country is, quote, out of control. One suggested that instead of just keeping cats indoors, people should spay or neuter their pets. Um, for that idea, but I think this person might be confused. A cat, minus its uh, reproductive capability, can still kill birds, lizards, and small mammals. As the old outfitter would say, they aren't, uh, you know, mating the critters to death. Another person named Roslyn wrote, quote, Cats aren't the problem. Thieves, drunks, etc. are. They cause more carnage and damage than a cat. I don't know what kind of drunks Roslyn hangs out with, but I can't say I've seen many who have tried to take a chunk out of a penguin. Toronto was also considering a proposal that would force cat owners to keep their pets on a leash while outside. Natalie Carvonen, the executive director of the Toronto Wildlife Centre, told the committee during a recent hearing that the new policy would help cats as much as wildlife. Free-range cats are at risk of being hit by cars, eaten by coyotes, and contracting diseases. Their life expectancy is one-third that of indoor cats. She also pointed out that a Canadian study from 2013 found that cats are the number one cause of death for songbirds, and it's not even close. Cat cause mortality was greater than all other causes combined, including glass buildings and habitat loss. Unfortunately, the proposal didn't pass. The mayor said he wouldn't support it because it's low priority and unenforceable. The Toronto Humane Society also told the Toronto Sun that it does not support an outdoor cat ban. They did not explain how leaving a cat outside is humane or why birds, small mammals, reptiles, threatened, endangered, or otherwise do not make their list of animals they care about. Perhaps in response to that public pressure, the city councillor who proposed the measure reversed her motion last week. She said the city should instead focus on licensing and microchipping cats. The feral cat problem is complicated. As with any invasive species, people can disagree in good faith about how to remove them from the landscape, but the problem these policies are addressing is much more black and white. If you own a cat, don't let it wander around outside. There's no reason for it. 
your cat will live longer, be happier, and cause less damage indoors. That sounds like a no-brainer to me, perhaps even the humane thing to do. Moving on to a few quick updates from the legislative desk. The U.S. House of Representatives voted this month to pass a wilderness protection bill as part of the annual National Defense Authorization Act. The bill, sponsored by Colorado Representative Diana DeGette, would permanently preserve more than 1.6 million acres of public land across Colorado, California, Washington, and New Mexico. It would also add more than 1,000 miles of river to the National Wild and Scenic River System. If the Senate approves it, the measure would be the largest land protection package Congress has ever approved as part of its annual defense bill. The protections could cover public land used by the military to conduct testing, as well as areas used by hunters and anglers. The House has passed the measure five times in the last two years, and each time the Senate has rejected it. To learn more about the bill, Google DeGette, that's D-E-G-E-T-T-E, Wilderness Bill. The Pennsylvania Game Commission voted recently to move forward with a proposal from the Bureau of Wildlife Management to reintroduce American martins to the state. Also known as pine martins, American martins were extirpated from Pennsylvania in the early 20th century thanks to the fur trade and deforestation. They're part of the weasel family, and they prey on amphibians, reptiles, insects, birds, and small mammals. Some hunters worry that this reintroduction could harm already struggling turkey populations, but that fear appears to be unfounded. Tom Keller, fur-bearer biologist for Pennsylvania's Wildlife Management Bureau, told local media that he can't find a single turkey in any of the diet analysis literature for the marten. What's more, he said research from states that already have martens revealed there was little impact to grouse and turkey populations. It's also worth noting that when the State Game Commission surveyed hunters on this topic, 91.5% of hunters said they'd support it. Here in Montana, Elk hunters are understandably up in arms after an advisory committee recommended forcing hunters to choose between rifle and archery seasons. The committee made the recommendation to reduce crowding and pressure on public land elk, but the proposal is receiving significant pushback. Under current regs, hunters can purchase a general elk license along with an archery stamp. This allows them to participate in both the six-week archery season as well as the five-week general season. Some hunters choose one or the other, but many hunters participate in both, especially if they strike out during the archery season. It's also unlikely that making hunters choose between archery and rifle season would alleviate pressure during the general season. If given a choice, many hunters would likely choose to go after elk with a rifle or devote the entirety of their hunting days to a single stretch during the archery season, instead of spreading out their time over the combined 11-plus weeks. 11 of the 12 advisory committee members voted for the proposal, but the committee can't change policy. Public hearings will be held, and it's possible the proposal is never even officially considered. Be on the lookout for when those public hearings are scheduled. Be a participant, look at the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks website, and make sure you are signed up for their newsletter. Moving on to the fishing desk. Fishing participation has continued to rise even after a record-breaking year in 2020, according to a new report from the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. If you spent any time on the water in 2020, you probably noticed more boats and people than ever before. That's because 54.7 million people participated in recreational fishing that year, the most of any year on record. 
but at the time, it wasn't clear whether those anglers would stay on the water long-term or were just bored from being forced to work from home. According to this most recent report, fishing participation was down slightly in 2021, but maintained the upward trajectory we've seen since 2015. 52.4 million Americans fished in 2021, which is a 4.5% increase since 2019. That increase has been driven in part by anglers who don't fit the traditional mold, i.e. old white men. Slightly more young people, women, and Hispanic people fished in 2021 than in 2019, and the increase was even greater among black Americans. 4.1 million black Americans participated in fishing and boating in 2021, a 10.8% increase from 3.7 million in 2020. Participation among women has also increased. Of all the anglers on the water, a full 37% were women. That's the highest level on record, according to the report. Summer is in full swing, which means it's a great time to get on the water. If you've been meaning to dust off the old fishing pole and land yourself a few lunkers, what the heck are you waiting for? Your state fish and game agency has resources to get you started, and you can also check out the tools over at takemefishing.org. There, you can find fishing spots, buy a license, and get tips on gear and strategies. If you are new to angling, just remember that most folks are out there for fish, but also solitude. Be conscientious of people's space. The more remote the area you go, the more distance you should give someone. And yes, I'm even talking to you walleye and crappy anglers, okay? I promise you, there's fish all over the frickin' lake. It's not just off the back of the other person that looks like they're walleye or crappie angling, okay? Got it? Good. Moving on to the land access desk. A National Guard base in northern Michigan called Camp Grayling is asking to lease more than 162,000 acres of additional public land and more than double the size of its footprint. The base is already the largest National Guard training facility in the United States. It covers 148,000 acres of land and 337 square kilometers of restricted airspace. But they say they need the additional property to conduct further training in electronics, cyber, and space warfare. These types of exercises apparently require lots of space to keep from interfering with signals from other groups training nearby. The local hunters and anglers, not to mention property owners and neighborhoods, are understandably concerned. The new portions of the base would incorporate rivers and state lands used by residents to hunt, camp, and fish. The Michigan Department of Natural Resources would still manage the land, and the National Guard has said it won't close off public access. Officials have also said that no training exercise will come within 1,500 feet of a river and waterway, but the military would have the authority to close off any portion of the woods at any time and without notice. Jacob Vischer, a local hunter and angler, told me this is what happens in portions of the current base open to hunting and fishing. At random times, unknown to the public, the lands will be shut off for military training operations which can ruin trips for people coming into this area of the state. If approved, the military would receive a free 20-year lease to use the land. Subject to annual review, they would help pay for tree trimming and invasive species management. If you live in northern Michigan, you should pay attention to this one. Whether you oppose it or support it, you should take the time to get informed and share your thoughts. Michigan Department of Natural Resources is accepting comments through an online map, which I'll link to in this episode description. I'd also encourage you to get in touch with Michigan Department of Natural Resources Director Dan Eichinger. He's the one who will ultimately approve the proposal. 
so he should know how local hunters and anglers feel. Staying in Michigan, a New York hedge fund that owns more than 100,000 acres of publicly accessible land is looking to sell 32,000 of those acres for $43 million. The properties are located in the northern reaches of Upper Michigan's Keweenaw Peninsula. This area is currently accessible to hunters, anglers, hikers, campers, and mountain bikers, but new owners could restrict that access without notice. But there's good news. Local residents formed the Keweenaw Outdoor Recreation Coalition to raise money and get the word out. Then, the State Department of Natural Resources applied for a $5 million grant from the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund. That money will be used to purchase as many acres as possible. The Nature Conservancy will be doing the same. There's more to this story, which you can read in a great article on mlive.com, but I wanted to highlight it because it's a great example of what coalitions of people who care about wild places and wild animals are capable of. $43 million is a big chunk of change, but it looks like for now, those 32,000 acres will be protected for future generations to enjoy. Moving on to the put out your campfire desk. A fishing guide and his employer are being sued by the federal government for $1 million for allegedly starting a fire that burned 176 acres in Alaska in 2019. 30 of those acres were on federal land. The suit alleges that Joshua McDonald, a guide with Grove Salmon Charters, started a fire on the bank of the Clatina River on the morning of July 8, 2019. The feds claim that McDonald, quote, did not clear the land surrounding and under the fire and that he did not completely extinguish the fire before vacating the area. They also note that there was a burn ban in place at the time. McDonald and his employer dispute those claims. They say that McDonald properly extinguished the fire, that the burn ban had not been publicized. They also say that they weren't the last group to stop at that fishing hole that day. Now, I don't know what actually happened, innocent until proven guilty and all that, But as the summer heats up, if it isn't hot enough already, we should all remember not to light fires unless absolutely necessary and not at all during a burn ban. And always put fires out properly. Spread the coals out thin and apply water until the sizzles are replaced by bubbles. 30 acres of federal land might cost you a million bucks, not to mention lawyer's fees. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. As per usual, write in to A-S-K-C-A-L that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com I appreciate it I appreciate you so write in and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods that's all I got for you thanks again and I'll talk to you next week I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. 
pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.